Hello and welcome into this week's edition of the Rookie Stripes podcast here on Racing News Now. I'm Garth Allen and that is Mr. Tyler Guthrie. What's going on? Boy, I wish I got to watch NASCAR these days. <laughs> yeah, right? Did you not Working see anything Sunday. this weekend? Uh, no. Oh. Well, I guess that's the show, folks. We'll see you again next week. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you missed some some stuff. Um, this is why I'm subscribed to NBC on YouTube. <laughs> NBC, but not Racing News Now. I'm hurt. I am subscribed to Racing News Now. No, you're not. Yes, I am. What was the last video we put up on this channel? Just because I'm subscribed doesn't mean I watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <let's see. laughs> here I'll, I'll pull it honest. up i'll pull it up uh-huh okay let's see that is not what i typed maybe it is what you typed look subscribed look at that wow i know I'm so proud of you i've never watched a single video anyway <laughs> okay i'm not proud of you anymore <laughs> I'm in the video. I don't need to watch the video. Fair, I guess. You know, there's other right. things on here that aren't that don't have you involved, though. Yeah, but then it's just you. Do I really want to listen to you? I mean, fair. I don't know why anybody else does, but that's beside the point. Thank you for watching. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, um, what do we have? Four races this weekend. F1 was in Qatar. Uh, Arca Snooze had to Toledo. Actually, F1 wasn't terrible. Um, Arca had terrible track. Toledo. And then Xfinity and Cup at the Charlotte Roval. Uh, not much to talk about in Arca. William Swalich pretty much dominated. Jesse Love was fast, but um, didn't really couldn't really keep up that well with Swalich in this race. But he'd already won the championship, so it didn't really matter. Uh, Mamba Smith was back, which was kind of cool. Um, he was in a Venturini car too, and unfortunately got caught up in someone else's mess at one point and didn't get the finish he deserved. I think he was running like sixth or seventh or something. Wasn't super great, but wasn't terrible either. So, uh, decent, respectable run for Mamba. Good to see him back in an ARCA car, especially a competitive one. Uh, F1. Max Verstappen show again, although drama between the Mercedes teammates as uh, Lewis Hamilton takes himself out off of George Russell's nose in turn one, lap one, and then blames Russell for it? No, he took credit for that. He did eventually, but in the moment on the radio, he's like, I just got taken out by my teammate. I mean, to be fair, when you're on the outside, then you just go flying off into the weeds, I would probably tend to blame the guy on the inside too. Well, but I'm, yeah, I'm glad he like, I'm glad he actually looked at the replay. and was like, Oh, okay. Even yeah. though I would probably say more Russell than Hamilton on that. I wouldn't. Russell had nowhere to go besides just slamming on the brakes and backing out of it. Eh, I, I would argue that Hamilton's ahead at that point. So I don't know. I mean, it's one of those open-wheel racing things that's just never going to go away. He was ahead at that point, but I don't know. There, there's very much a gray area there because at the same time, he's got to kind of... He didn't really give Russell any time to react either. He just cut it to the right and assumed Russell wasn't there anymore. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's one of those open-wheel racing things that's just going to keep happening as long as we have open-wheel cars, but... I mean, 
in NASCAR, you just get spun out and keep going. So right in F1, both cars are kind of screwed. <laughs> and Russell kept going and in fact was up like back to second at one point. It was an interesting race strategy wise because because they actually had to make more than one pit stop. Right. I can't remember what the reasoning was, but they the they tires were shredding. Well, yeah, but I, I'm saying I can't remember why they were shredding, but they the FIA said they couldn't go longer than 18 laps on a set of tires. Mm-hmm. So it was similar to uh, NASCAR at Indy in like 2010 or something. 2008. 2008. Yeah. Yeah. It was similar to that. It was just because Qatar is, you know, in the middle of the desert and the track surface is pretty abrasive anyway. And then all the sand on it just kind of ruined the tires. And then that's just a great weekend to then announce that Pirelli is going to be the sole tire manufacturer until at least 2027. So we have that to look forward to for the next four years. Right. No tire wars in F1, at least for a little bit. Um, But yeah, that's. That's basically it. McLaren seems to be inching closer to Red Bull. I mean, they neither one of them were very far off of Verstappen at the end of the race, so they might challenge him by the end of the season. It wouldn't surprise me, and it also wouldn't surprise me that now that Verstappen has locked up the championship, like five races early, um, that he's not trying as hard anymore, so that might be part of it. Um, the other interesting nugget that I saw from this weekend is that Christian Horner basically said that he's got two drivers that aren't on the same level anymore, which I thought was interesting. The exact quote from Christian was, you can see Mercedes have a pair, McLaren have a pair, Ferrari have a pair that are quite tight because between the respective drivers. I think we've had that at the earlier point in the year, but as the season has gone on, it's become more variant. Can you say Checo is out without saying Checo is out? I'm just not sure who they replace him with since they already set the Alpha Tauri grid for next year with Daniel Ricardo Harden. and and uh Gwen no, not Joe. Um Tsunoda. Yeah. Well, that's the thing though. With Alpha Tauri being a quote unquote feeder team for Red Bull, just because they have a contract with Alpha Tauri doesn't mean that can't be broken if they're gonna go to Red Bull. I I think they replace him with Ricardo. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Put Ricardo in the Red Bull again and put Liam Lawson in the Alvatari. Because yep. honestly, I was kind of surprised that they signed Ricardo again over Lawson. I thought Lawson did a really good job the couple races he was in. I wonder if that has been the strategy this whole time since Ricardo came back to Alvatari. I wonder if from the moment that he got signed at Alvatari, this was the plan that he was going to be back in a Red Bull in 2024. I guess I wouldn't be entirely surprised, but I don't know. I I feel like they're doing something to Sergio's car. I can't imagine that Perez is that much worse than Verstappen on a consistent basis. No, especially with what we've seen out of him before now. I mean, he won races at the beginning of the year. He was right yeah. there with Verstappen early in the year, and then just all of a sudden, that changed. So now he's got like three Q1 exits in a row or something like yeah. that. So either they're doing something to the car to slow him down or something happened with him. I don't know if it's mentally or what, but something that we probably don't know about it maybe in his personal life. I don't know. Something has changed 
whether it's with the car or with him, but something has changed at some point this season. Yeah, and F1's the type of environment that there's no way I can see him back in that car next year. There, I, I don't even think he'll be in F1 next year after this season. I think he'll still be in F1. He's done well enough in that Red Bull. I'll bet somebody like, uh, at the very least, I see Williams or, or Alfa Romeo or somebody giving him an opportunity. Maybe he ends up in an Alpine Something like that. I, I don't see him being completely out of F1. Well, the problem is, at this point in the season, almost everybody's already set their driver lineup for next year. Well, who's to say he doesn't already have a ride and it just hasn't been announced? I mean, we're, I mean, we're speculating that Ricardo has been tabbed for that car for months now. So, I would imagine if they've had him signed, Checo has known that he's out. So, he's probably been looking for two or three months now. See, I think... If internally they said that Perez was definitely going to be gone, he would have said something about it by now. Maybe I think that would have. Maybe maybe he's got like some sort of an NDA in his contract or something to where he can't, and he's the they penalize him or something if he does. Or they. I they feel like F one F one's the type of sport where even if you have an NDA, somebody's going to find out about it somehow. Right. I don't know. He might, like, show up as a Red Bull reserve driver next year or something like that, but I don't see him driving next year. I mean, that's a possibility. Um, That wouldn't surprise me either. I just, I don't know, maybe he ends up in an AlphaTauri. Maybe instead of Liam Lawson, it's him in an AlphaTauri. I'd just quit at that point. (laughs) I mean, he could pull a Ricardo, because that's the thing. If Ricardo comes back, Ricardo has gone that route. Ricardo has been in a Red Bull. With Verstappen mm-hmm. left, and now could be coming back. Yeah, I I hate the little roundabout way that Ricardo is gone. He he did everything for the right reasons and thought he was going to the best places, and then Renault laid an egg with that team, and then he went to McLaren, and I guess he just didn't get along with that car, and now he's back in the Red Bull camp. Which I like Ricardo, but what a way to just kind of spend the last couple of years just trying to right. find somewhere. Yeah, I was really hoping he could make McLaren work, because I felt like he and Norris really could have been a good pair at McLaren, and that just never really worked out. Yeah, Piastri's doing pretty well this year, though. Yeah, very well. I mean, ended up P2 this week. Uh, I don't I don't know if he was catching Verstappen at the end, but he was very close to him, as was Norris, so... Like I said earlier, I think the McLarens may give Verstappen a run here by the end of the season. And I guess on the news front for F1, FIA has allowed Andretti's entry for next year with Cadillac. Um, Now it's up to the teams to, I guess, make a unanimous decision to allow them in because it would break up the prize money. So basically it's not going to happen because all of the team owners are greedy pieces of and mm-hmm. F1 sucks. And see, here's the part that gets me. They're bringing Cadillac along, and almost every team has publicly said, We want GM and Cadillac here because we want another engine supplier. However, GM and Cadillac have said they will only come into F1 with an American team like Andretti, and they're not going to do it with Haas. Yeah. So they're saying yes to the engine, no to the team but forgetting that they're not going to get the engine if they don't get the team. Right. 
So I mean, that's just F1 politics 101. Like, I don't know. Like, they're going to shoot themselves in the foot here because if they really want this manufacturer, they got to have Andretti, like you said. And I I think they are going to... It's not going to be unanimous. Some some of the teams, I'm sure, will say yes, that they they will accept Andretti, but I don't think there's ever going to be a unanimous vote. So, unfortunately, I don't, don't see this working out for Andretti going to F1. Yeah, I, I hate the politics of F1, but even, like, this past week, I guess Lance Stroll's dad, who owns the Aston Martin team who said he's selling the team at the end of the season anyway, was making like a whole bunch of public comments against the Andretti team being like, Oh, it's such a stupid idea and all this stuff. Like you're selling your team at the end of this year anyway. What does it matter to you? Right. But yeah, I I don't, I don't get the opposition against Andretti. I guess it's because of the prize money that you get at the end of the year and it's divided evenly between the teams. But I would argue that Andretti even like if they weren't super competitive the first couple of years, which they're probably not going to be, even the fact that it's an Andretti team in F1 would generate a metric ton of American money into mm-hmm. F1. Because what reason do we have to care about Haas? Two non American drivers, a non American team owner, or not owner, but team principal. They have nothing to do with the U.S. They even shipped all their stuff off to Europe. They don't do anything here anymore, and they're not competitive at all. Whereas if you have Andretti, you have team owner that is interested and invested in the sport with Michael and Mario, and Mario won a championship in F1. I don't see how this is a bad thing for the sport. I think it would only generate money, but all the teams are against it, so we're never going to have it. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Um, yeah, it, it would be a good thing for the sport. It would bring more eyeballs, especially American eyeballs, which seems to be what F1 wants right now. They're throwing so many races into America, and between that and Netflix, they're really just trying to get those American eyeballs. So clearly, that the, the FIA knows that that's what they need right now, or at least they think that's what they need right now. And the teams just aren't on board with that. Which has been the problem with F1 since forever. The teams constantly shooting the sport in the foot and then being like, why don't we have nice things? Gee, I don't know. I think the teams have too much power. Oh, yeah. And the fact that everything has to be a unanimous decision, it's asinine. You're never going to have a unanimous decision among like a sporting event ever. Right. But yeah, whatever. No, it, it's unfortunate, but I I will be pleasantly surprised if they do approve Andretti to come in, but yeah, I, I don't I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening at all, but it would be a great thing for the sport and to get people here interested in it, which I don't know if I would care that much, but I would loosely follow Andretti at least. Yeah. And even then, like, you get the opportunity to have American engineers and all that drivers into a team, and we're not having that right now. We have Logan Sargent. Wow. Who's not doing anything at Williams. Well, and it's a Williams. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which but actually, I- the Williams car actually finally looks good now. 
but he's still not doing anything in it. Like Albon is actually doing some decent things in it. And Sargent is not. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see what happens there, but, uh, I think that's about it for F1. We'll move on to NASCAR for the weekend from the Charlotte Roval. Two races, Xfinity and Cup. Both cutoff races heading into the round of eight. We'll start off with Xfinity. In the playoffs, we lose Hemrick, Kligerman, Barry, and Jeb Burton in this race. Although, Hemrick came very close to making his way in. Last lap, he's behind... Parker Kligerman, I believe it was Kaz Grala. Kligerman makes kind of a dive bomb move down into the final chicane on the front stretch, trying to make any points he can, trying to make it into the next round. Hemrick is right behind them. The move by Kligerman gets both the 48 and Grala offline, which allows Hemrick to sneak inside out of the chicane in a three-wide drag race to the line. Hemrick is making headway and just ran out of room missed the next round and the points he needed off of those two cars by about five feet. It's a tough year to be a colleague fan. It is, very much. Although that kind of changed on Sunday, but we'll get to that. Yeah, Um, it doesn't really make up for the rest of the season. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. Um, So Hamrick barely misses. Jeb Burton made kind of a wild move to try and make it to the next round. Late race restart. Stayed out when everybody else pitted. I I think he and the team knew that this was never going to work, but they had to try something because they weren't going to point their way in. They had to try and win the race. Problem is, Jeb Burton kind of Jeb Burtoned. Um, Down into the first corner, just completely overshoots the corner, throws himself and Justin Allgaier into the tire barrier, just pancakes himself onto Justin Allgaier, and ends all guyer's day. Burton was able to continue, but not very quickly. Uh, but that would end his chances of making it to the next round. Just very silly mistake from Jeb Burton. And his his excuse, I don't I don't necessarily want to call it an excuse, but his explanation of what happened in his interview afterward was that he was going faster into turn one than he had all day. Off a restart? See, and yeah, and besides that, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, because even if we're talking just on a restart, wouldn't you be going slower as the leader because you've had less time to accelerate from the restart zone than you would have anywhere further back in the pack? I mean, I get it. Like, a couple years ago, we were still just skipping the last chicane on the restarts, but we're not doing that anymore which i thought was worse yeah i I agree i don't i i don't think it was any better no i I didn't really like that it it didn't really make any sense to be restarting out of the chicane it was just a weird place to have the restart zone yeah and second having it not in the in the chicane just having them come through the trioval added a different element to it it made it to where they had to think about restarts because they were they were taking the front stretch differently than they had all the rest of the day. They were coming in from a different angle. They had a different approach speed into turn one than they would at any other point. Like it, it gave a different variable with them not restarting in the chicane. So I, yeah, I, I didn't like it with them restarting in the chicane. I, I hope that's not a permanent thing. I also didn't like that we brought stage cautions back. I felt like that screwed up the flow of the race, but. 
Yeah, but. I would argue that like since we restarted in the chicane, it almost made the, half the field single file by the time they got to turn one. Mm-hmm. Which, knowing NASCAR, that's the opposite of what they want because mm-hmm. they made a whole bunch of cash off of the one year when everybody piled up in the turn one. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't really get that. I, I wish they would have just left it alone. And I don't know why they decided to bring back stage cautions for this road course and none of the rest of them this year. Now I guess we're in the like really stupid playoffs. Now we got to re- do the really stupid cautions on road yeah. courses again. I I don't know. Um, I struggle with this race being a cutoff race anyway. Just I I don't really. It never really sat well with me, and I don't think it's been a good race at all for the cutoff. I think maybe if you put this race in the middle of the season, you could get away with it. But because it's a cutoff race, everybody's just going to hate it. I don't, I've never thought it's a great race. Is it entertaining? Yes. But as an actual race product, I've never thought it's been very good. Is it entertaining? Yeah. I mean, like you, this race is not, this race has never been anything other than a cutoff race. That's just, instantly what people think of when they think of the Roval and I think it puts it in bad light because there's always some weird shenanigans that happen where somebody takes somebody else out at the end of the race because they need the points or something like that happens every single year and you can't have a track surrounded by that aura yeah well and I was really hoping we were going to get away from the Roval after this year because there was there was rumors floating around that we we're going to go back to the Oval for the fall race next year, which I thought would have been great since the Gen 6 seems to do really well at Charlotte. I, the Oval would have been a great cutoff race, I think. Yeah. And then the schedule comes out and it's not there, which we'll talk about the schedule uh, momentarily. But I I was very disappointed to see that the Roval wasn't gone because, I don't know, I, I feel like the Oval could do so much better better as this cutoff race i don't mind the roval as a track i do mind it as a cutoff race what i mind is marcus smith making the comment that charlotte is now the most unique track in all of motorsports because of the roval like what kind of ass backward comment is that like one no it's not the most unique how many other tracks have a road course in the middle daytona indy those are the two I can think of off the top of my head. I know there's more than that. Uh, Sonoma there, used to... Not Sonoma. Uh, Sonoma's just a road course. California, I meant. The oh, yeah. That used to... Yeah. So, like, and on top of that... Pretty much every... Texas has one that we've never yeah. used. <laughs> on top of that, just because it has a road course in the middle doesn't make it the most unique track in all of motorsports. There's much more unique tracks out there than Charlotte. So, yeah. I don't really understand the thought process there i don't understand the the i i don't understand where everybody gets off on the roval i really don't like is it entertaining sure but i don't it just needs to go away like it i don't think it deserves a spot on the schedule yeah i don't i don't hate the oval or the god damn it the roval I, it's an okay track. It's just it shouldn't be where it is on the schedule. It should just be one of those mid-season races. It doesn't really matter. And I would rather have the oval, which 
I hate saying that because we said so much stuff about the Charlotte Oval in the past being terrible, and now it's not. That was just in the Gen 5, Gen 6 era, though. Like, pre-Gen 5, Charlotte was good, too. So, yeah. Charlotte's a good track. I always like the, the right car. I always like the Oval Charlotte. Um, I, I do. I would rather this be on the Oval. Um, honestly, the Rover would be a really cool IndyCar track. <laughs> yeah. This, uh, they even had like New Garden do a test on IndyCar a while back. And I feel like this could be one of those cool doubleheader weekends that they've just missed opportunities on. Mm-hmm. Um, even then, I'd rather see IndyCar in the Oval, too. So yeah. there's that. I mean... I've had that thought too. Is I don't understand why they've never brought IndyCar in for a doubleheader on the Roval. Like that seems to make so much sense. They tested it once and like teased that hey, we're working on doing this, and then it never happened because yeah. Why would two American motorsports like to work along with each other? Right. Even though they're already doing it at Indy, so I don't understand why they can't do more than that. That's only because IndyCar owns the track. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, there's plenty of tracks that NASCAR owns. Yeah, but NASCAR is the one that feels threatened by IndyCar's presence. Oh, so yeah, it's true. Fair enough. The one um, that gets like 200,000 viewers a week. Yeah. To wrap up Xfinity, Sam Mayer wins the race, kind of dominated the race, started on the pole, led a lot of the race. He got shuffled back late in the race and then drove his way back to the lead to win the race. So... Very good race out of Sam Mayer. Good to see him come out. He he likened himself to AJ Allmendinger 2.0 in his uh, post-race interview, which I thought was interesting. Okay. I mean, I guess he's won three road course races now, and that's his only win, so maybe he is AJ Allmendinger 2.0. Um, good to see him pick up that win, though. Good kid, and good to see him finally seeing some success and Moving on to the next round. Speaking of moving on to the next round, that will be Nemechek, Hill, Allgaier, Mayer, Custer, Chandler Smith, Creed, and Sammy Smith. Moving on to the round of eight. Before we move on to Cup and the new schedules for 2024, Tyler, let's make Championship 4 predictions. Who makes the Championship 4 in Xfinity out of those eight? Well, Nemechek and Hill are obvious favorites i would argue custer's probably a lock so i'd say that fourth spot honestly i would probably try to lean towards sam Mayer's to lose at this point i feel like he's got a lot of momentum and maybe can pick up his first win on an oval in the next three races um i just i'm surprised at how mediocre jrm has been this year i thought that more of their cars would be at least in the round of eight and maybe pushing towards the round of four. I mean, you say mediocre, but they've got a quarter of the round of eight cars. Allgaier and Mayer are both in the round of eight. Yeah, I'd say it's between one of them two for the final spot in top four. Okay. I agree. I think Nemechek and Hill are locks unless something weird happens in this round. Um, I think Allgaier is more of a lock than you're giving him credit for. I think he has clearly been the best JRM car this year. So unless something weird happens, I see Allgaier making it. And then that fourth spot, I think, is between Mayer and Custer. I am also leaning toward Mayer for the fourth spot. I think 
you are correct. I think he has to win his first oval race in the next three weeks if he's going to make it, because I don't see him pointing his way in. I think if he wins one of these three races, he makes it in. If not, Custer has been the model of consistency this season. So if Mayer doesn't win one of these three races, Custer can point his way in, I think, fairly easily. So I'm leaning toward Mayer because I think he's going to win a race. But if he doesn't win a race, I think it is Custer in that fourth spot. Yeah. On to the Cup Series for this weekend, and then we'll wrap up talking the 2024 schedule. A.J. Allmendinger wins at the Roval in what had to be one of the most emotional wins I think I've seen since Greg Von Alst at Daytona in the ARCA race this year. Um, just doing a lot of crying post-race, his whole cool-down lap. Uh, made the comment to Marty about you just don't know when your last one's going to be, and this very well could be his last Cup win. So... Um, Really good to see that emotion and good to see what that means for A.J. Allmendinger to win a cup race. He really had a good challenge from William Byron at the end, was able to hold him off and pick up that win. Really good to see Allmendinger back into victory lane. Now, I will make the comment, he went up in the stands post-race, like a lot of drivers have done recently. I think Newgarden started this kind of tradition at the 500 this year, and I saw a video of him going into the stands. I think it was on NBC's Instagram account. And it kind of showed to me why I think that's not necessarily a good idea. Because there was one woman in particular who was getting very handsy and touchy with him. And was getting very weird about it. And this is why I'm not sure it's necessarily a good idea. Because certain people ruin it for everybody. And you've got really weird people out there that will do really weird things to someone that they see as a celebrity if they're in close proximity. And this this woman was kind of embarrassing the rest of the fan base. Like she was she was just up there every chance she could get. She just grabbing him, grabbed her arm, grabbed her hand, like had him in a chokehold around his neck, trying to get him as close as possible. Like it was really weird. I just yeah. I, I don't some understand do how weird some everybody. people can be. Some people do ruin it for everybody. <laughs> yeah, like, and that's the thing. Like, it, it's very cool that all these drivers are doing this now. Like, they're going and celebrating with the fans and making the fans a part of this special moment. But then you've got weirdos like that that just—he's just a person. Like, yes, he's kind of famous, but he's just a person. Calm down. It's cool when it happens at like a really big event or like something really big just happened. Like Newgarden doing it for the 500, that was awesome. Yeah. First American driver to win the 500 in, in a while. Last couple laps were really, really close. Just barely won. That was cool. Mm -hmm. The Rohol. I, I mean, I get, I get it for <laughs> Almondinger because it was a big win for him. Yeah. I, I get it, but you know, I it I don't want to like put limits on when the drivers can do stuff like that and different things, but that was not really important enough to the rest of us. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say it wasn't important enough because, again, I agree. I don't want to put limits on it. Like if if the driver wants to do that, let them do it. At least until something bad happens. But um. Yeah. I I just I don't see 
And, and, the, and that's the thing. Like I said, certain people ruin it for everybody else, and somebody inevitably is going to ruin it for everybody else. Like, yeah. that's not going to be the weirdest thing that happens to a driver when they go up into the stands like that. Like, somebody hates them, is going to, like, shove them off the bleachers or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's going to be something where they're going to get hurt or something, and it's going to be because a fan did something. And then it's going to be like, nope, you can't go in the stands anymore. No driver can ever go in the stands anymore post-race. And, I mean, that's how, that's generally how we lose anything cool in, in life in general, not just in NASCAR, is somebody, somebody gets stupid hurt. ruins it for everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. So and Chase Elliott won't be able to go snowboarding anymore. Oh, that'll just be terrible. Um. Kyle Busch did almost make it into the next round. He does get eliminated, though, along with Brad Keselowski, Ross Chastain, and Bubba Wallace. Kyle Busch made a good run for it at the end, though. I feel like he screwed up the last restart, though. He was there alongside Almondinger on the last restart. And I don't know if he spun the tires or what, but he got real wobbly coming out of that chicane um, to the start-finish line on the restart and lost all of his momentum and wasn't able to stay alongside Almondinger into turn one. And I think that's what lost him the race. He could have pulled this out if he could have somehow gotten in front of Almondinger on that last restart. But he did show a lot more fight than I thought he would this round, though, or at the end of it. Yeah, I mean, because I, I thought he was—I know it's Kyle Busch, but I thought he was definitely not even going to be close to making it to the next round. And he—he yeah. he did put a fight up, and he tried. And I—I I guess that's really all you can ask for from RCR at this point. But yeah, yeah, uh, but. Either way, good run out of Kyle Busch. He made a good run out of it. Um, I was very surprised by Bubba Wallace in this race. He was very fast, started third, mm -hmm. had the speed to stay up around the lead early on, and then unfortunately, after a series of unfortunate events, was not able to contend at the end of the race. One of those unfortunate events, and I, this might have been the start of that series of unfortunate events, um, Daniel Suarez missed the backstretch chicane, runs into Austin Sendrick, who in turn runs into Bubba. Bubba does a complete 360, keeps going, but misses the chicane because of this, and still gets penalized, which I thought was really weird, because I would have thought his penalty would have been spinning and doing a full 360, because he definitely lost spots from that and lost just as much, if not more, than he would have if he had just stopped in the chicane. So yeah. it, it kind of seemed like adding insult to injury to make him still serve a penalty for that and i get it you want to be consistent but at the same time okay so i i get that we we harp on nascar we want them to be consistent with everything but in this case i feel like there needs to be an exception here if you have spun out or wrecked coming into one of these chicanes why do you still need to serve that penalty your penalty was spinning out or wrecking. I don't get why you still need to serve that penalty. Well, I would I would take another level and say that if you get run into going into the chicane, then you don't have to, unless yeah. you get run into by a teammate. The problem with that, the and I, I agree with you, but the problem with that comes with we have that rule at Daytona and Talladega where if you get forced below the line, technically the person that forced you down there is supposed to get a penalty. And NASCAR cannot, isn't really consistent with enforcing that. So my worry would be 
if you made the rule, well, if you get shoved into the chicane and you miss it because you got shoved in, NASCAR wouldn't be consistent with enforcing that. Yeah, it, it's got to be a judgment call at some point. You can't just say, oh, even though you got deleted from that corner, you still missed the corner and you lost 20 spots anyway, but now you got to stop. That That's ignorant. I've yeah. always struggled with the old line rule anyway. I always thought it was kind of stupid. If you don't want people to use all the track, don't put the track there. Um, I mean, I get where they were coming from when they first made the rule as a safety precaution from, from Earnhardt's wreck. Uh, but I feel like at this point, it probably is an outdated rule and it's not necessarily needed anymore. What you're, you're telling me I can't go below a painted yellow line, but I can go flying into turn one while it's pouring rain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's one of those stupid archaic NASCAR rules. That's like, I guess it comes back to my point of if you don't want them to use the track, don't put the track there. Yeah. I mean, you say that, and they do use all the track at road courses, but does that really make the product any better? I don't know that we've necessarily advocated for that, but there's a lot of people that say that NASCAR needs to enforce track limits at road courses. I, I don't know why I feel this way, but I would argue that with stock cars like that, track limits out the window with open wheel cars and force track limits. Why is that though? I don't know. I feel like it's got to do with something about the open wheel cars being like a more sophisticated form of motorsport in most people's eyes. And then NASCAR is kind of just to go knock yourselves out. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, I don't disagree. Uh, I don't like but, saying it, but that's just kind of how I feel about it. It's weird to me that they enforce track limits at certain tracks and they don't at others. Like, they don't enforce track limits at Watkins Glen, but they do at Coda. And so the Roval. I mean, people yeah. cut the chicane on the backstretch at Watkins Glen, like, horrifyingly bad every lap. And then right. the Roval, you hop the curb and you're like, oh, you got to come to a complete stop. Well, they cut the chicane, and then, you know, as they come out of the carousel... They make that big, wide exit out there past the Rumble Strip, or at Sonoma, down into that, uh, what is that, one, two, three, turn four, uh, that 90-degree right-hander, when you go past the entrance into the carousel, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking they, about. They go way wide there past the Rumble Strip there, too. Um, I so think they that's don't technically it. turn six. Is it? I yeah. I think it is. Get the left after the front straight, and then the right. And then the left, right, left-ish. Oh, yeah, maybe know. it is turn six. We're NASCAR way. fans. We're used to four. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, either way, they don't enforce it at Sonoma or Watkins Glen, but yet, was it Ty Gibbs that got track limit penalty at COTA this year because he was cutting inside maybe? through the S's? Maybe. I, I. This is another one of those things that I've had with – open wheel sports and I'm I guess I'm gonna have to have this tirade about NASCAR now too. Why did we stop using grass and gravel and go to concrete runoff? Grass makes it so you don't want to go offline because then you well back when we had the splitter you just delete the front end of your car and now you just lose a bunch of grip. Instead we go to all this concrete runoff where 
it can be used as part of a racing surface because in all reality, it is the same as the racing surface. I understand a lot of these like FIA grade, whatever, whatever tracks have to be like that because of MotoGP and all the motor er, motorcycles and all that. But why are we doing that for like the Charlotte Roval and stuff, which I, I get it for the backstretch chicane. You can't put grass over the oval track, whatever. So don't use the track. I Okay, so my understanding is the reason for that, and I'm not saying I agree with this, but the reasoning is because it's less of a penalty if it's just paved there versus gravel or grass. So if you get off track, your day's not over because you got stuck in the gravel or you slid through the grass and tore up your car. I Skill think issue. Right. Now, I'm, I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just saying that is my understanding. That's the reasoning for it is so that there's less of a penalty. So one mistake doesn't kill your whole day. Oh, I get it. But even like with ovals, we've had Jeff Gordon at IMS that one year got a little too low and somebody kicked grass up in front of him and got a whole bunch of staples in his tires. Well, his day's done and that's not even his fault. Staples I don't staples in his tires. I don't remember this. Yeah, they stapled the grass in at IMS at one point, and then they... Really? Yeah, somebody got in the grass in front of him, he was, like, leading the race and popped his tires, and he went flying in the wall. I don't remember this at all. It was, like, early 2000s or late 90s. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, no, that it's been does a hot not ring a bell at all. It's been a hot minute. But yeah, I just... I get it for places that have the motorcycle racing, all that, whatever... But, and I, I get, like, to the point of, well, we don't want to mess up the car that bad, sure. But you're ruining the racing product by then adding a time penalty or stop-and-go penalty, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, but, but again, they're not always adding a penalty. Like, Watkins Glen and Sonoma, they don't add a penalty. So, it's track-dependent, yeah. which makes it even weirder. Well, and even weirder with Charlotte, like... You know, they, you've got the backstretch chicane, and then they've got that little painted part that goes up to the wall coming out of the backstretch chicane. Everybody cut the crap out of that. Mm-hmm. So either enforce it or don't. You don't get to pick and choose where you enforce it, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. But um, other than that, I don't know that there was much to talk about with the cup race, other than cool that Almondinger won. Um Let's wrap up here before we get to picks with uh, the new schedule for next year. There's nothing new on the Xfinity and truck schedules outside of what's new on the cup schedule. So we're not really going to talk about the Xfinity and truck schedules. The only thing I can think of that would be different is that IRP and Richmond are now not in the truck playoffs anymore. The truck playoffs start at Milwaukee. Um, Outside of that, I don't know that there was really any changes uh, with Xfinity and trucks. Cup schedule, though, there are some changes. Um, I'm not really sure I'm a big fan of really any of these, or most of them at least. Atlanta is now the second race of the year following the Daytona 500. Woo, I guess. Two super speedway races in a row. Their reasoning for that is troubling to me because NASCAR, like when they were talking about the schedule, they said, we put Atlanta after Daytona because we want people to have the familiarity of a Daytona-like track. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem is that's like the worst racing at all with these cars. Yeah. So 
you watch the mid-ass 500 and then you get to go watch the even more mid-ass 500 the next week. Mm-hmm. Well, and the other thing is, I don't know that they're taking weather into account here because mid to late February in Georgia is still pretty cold. Yeah, I would not be surprised if it even snowed that weekend. Exactly. So, I we've had well, even Atlanta- even March at Bristol is a little bit iffy. If it's not cold, it's going to be rainy. Yeah, they've had snow at Bristol for the spring race before. Yeah. Um. So. I don't know. I don't agree with this decision at all. I never agreed with Atlanta being changed in the first place, but I really don't agree with well, it being put yeah. at the second race of the season, especially with the reasoning for it. It's just the very weird decision. Um, I, I guess if you're going to have to start looking at places that are in colder areas earlier in the year, we really need to take a look at the length of the schedule and ask ourselves if we really need 36 races. See, that's the problem, though, is... A lot of the things that they've done with this schedule right now, I think, are showing that there are too many races. The problem is they are never going to go back on number of races at this point because they make too much schedule or they make too much money. <laughs> Easy for me to say. They make too much money having this many races. The, if they start cutting races, they're going to start losing money and they don't want to do that. Yeah, I just wish there was a way we could cut out the races that we go to twice because what we go to daytona twice atlanta twice vegas twice phoenix twice bristol twice martinsville twice do we go to richmond richmond twice like yeah, richmond twice we don't need which, to be going to all these really races twice why are we still going to richmond twice when iowa's now on the schedule and we could That's try like to make richmond north wilkesboro work yeah i just Anyway, we're not to Iowa yet. The Bristol Spring Race is back to a pavement race. That I can get on board with, thankfully. I'm okay Um, with that. Oh, and also there's no dirt races on the truck schedule either. So dirt is apparently completely done now. That experiment seemed to fail. Okay, I don't know why we got rid of trucks on dirt, but all right, whatever. Um, Texas, or as I've been calling it lately, Texas, um, is back to being in April now, as it's been taken out of the playoffs. Still one race, but they've moved it back to what used to be the spring date, or around what used to be the spring date um, in April. Which which has IndyCar implications. Yes, because you pointed out to me earlier, that's, this is what used to be the IndyCar weekend, and now IndyCar is not at Texas anymore. Which, I would argue the IndyCar race was better than the Cup race, so if anything, Texas should have kept IndyCar. But... Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure NASCAR makes Texas more money, so that's probably the reasoning there is they would rather if they have to choose between one or the other, NASCAR makes them more money, so they're going to go with that. Yeah, from my understanding, Texas moved the Cup race to the weekend of the IndyCar race, so IndyCar said, "Hey, can we like reschedule this? Because IndyCar's got the Thermal Club Challenge." At the end of March. And then the next race isn't until April 21st at Long Beach. So there's three or four weeks there you could have rescheduled this Texas race. And from my understanding, IndyCar and Roger Penske reached out to Texas and said, Hey, since you moved the cup race to the date that we always use for like the past 10 years, could you 
rework with us to reschedule this to a different weekend, and Texas basically said no. And IndyCar is like, okay. But right, we then. did get Milwaukee back on the calendar for IndyCar, so I'll I'll take it. Yeah. I don't know that that's a one-to-one trade because I feel like Texas would have been a better race than Milwaukee, oddly. Oh, yeah, it's definitely not a one-to-one trade, but if we're going to lose Texas, at least we get another oval back. True. Uh, Next change on the schedule, Iowa is back at a NASCAR series higher than ARCA. Um, It returns to Xfinity and now debuts in the Cup Series, which, again, I don't necessarily mind having Iowa on the schedule, but Ooh, not if there's that's still a night two race. races. Iowa's uh, a night race. I just noticed that. Is it? I didn't notice that. 7 p.m. That Okay, I am way more on board with Iowa now that it's a night race. I mean, I'm on board with it, but I think if we have Iowa, we need to get rid of a Richmond race. I think we need to get a, rid of a Richmond race anyway. Right. The only tracks oh, we should be going to twice are Daytona and Darlington. I don't even know that we need to be going to Daytona twice at this point. Or Darlington. Just have the Southern 500 and the Daytona 500. I don't really see a need for the second race for either one of them. Okay, the Darlington one, I I kind of agree. Daytona, I feel like it's too difficult to get rid of at this point. Is it, though, since they moved it off the 4th of July? And now it's not even Uh, a regular season finale, which we're not to that point yet either. Um, That's a good point. Okay, yeah, get rid of Daytona, too. I don't care. Yeah. Um, Indy is back on the Oval. so the Brickyard 400 is officially back next year um, for it's the 30th anniversary, isn't it? I think that was uh, that was the reason like that. that they gave was that it for the 30th anniversary they want to put it back on the oval. So that also has IndyCar implications because now there's no more NASCAR IndyCar doubleheader, and now IndyCar's only going IMS road course once. Mm-hmm. Which is not necessarily a bad thing outside. No, of that's the, that's not a bad thing at all. That's not a bad thing at all. I mean, I think the double header would have been nice, but yeah, they didn't need a second race on the Indy Road course. I also think NASCAR's had a billion chances to have an IndyCar double header and clearly doesn't care, so I don't mind IndyCar just well, I guess they're not really sticking it to anybody because nobody cares about IndyCar. But yeah, yeah I don't I don't mind that IndyCar wasn't willing to bend over backwards to figure something else out. Yeah. Um Daytona is now not the regular season finale anymore. It's now the second to last race of the regular season, and the Southern 500 has now moved from the first race of the playoffs to the regular season finale, which is interesting. I'm curious to see how that plays out. I'm not... I don't know. I don't really have an opinion on that yet. Like, I don't is the know spring Darlington race Is the spring Darlington race still a throwback weekend? far as i know they haven't said anything specifically on that but i think i hate that sure we'll do the cool paint schemes at the three o'clock race and not the you know night race right um then the final change which i'm i also don't know how i feel about it yet is atlanta and watkins Glen have now been moved into the first round of the playoffs so the first round of the playoffs is now atlanta watkins Glen, bristol night race which is an interesting round so, I guess I'll give my thoughts on that first. I don't mind Atlanta and Watkins Glen getting moved into the playoffs. Watkins Glen makes sense. Their NASCAR has been trying to make road courses more important for a bunch of years now, and 
having two of them in the playoffs makes them important. You've got one in the first round, one in the second round. That's I'm fine with that. The other two races, Bristol makes sense because, I mean, that's just been the way it's been for a little bit now. Right. Atlanta, though, why would you make that a playoff race with those other two? Those are three tracks that this car is not very good at, and those are the first three races in the round of 16. Yeah. I'm making a way too early prediction that somebody's going to get screwed over at Atlanta do terrible on the road course and then just be SOL at Bristol. Yep. I agree. I think you're exactly right. It's, but the problem is, is that what they want? Because they, I think secretly that's exactly what NASCAR wants is they want the headline of, Oh, insert big name here eliminated after round of 16. It it wouldn't surprise me if that's what they want, which we've, beat this horse to death with the playoff system. It's stupid. I hate it. Truex being the regular season champion for like the past 8 million years and then struggling through the entire playoffs is stupid. I hate it. This makes it even worse, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I I agree. And I think it's weird. If that is what NASCAR is going for, and they want, they're just going for the headlines at this point of, Big name driver eliminated after round of 16. Why? Like that. It doesn't help them at all. In my opinion. We've seen this with Chase Elliott this year. Chase Elliott missed races. Instantly visible drop in ratings for every race that he missed. He misses the playoffs. The playoffs are not as popular this year as they were last year. Mm -hmm. So why would you want to eliminate big name drivers from possibly contending for the championship. I don't know. I, I Every time I feel like NASCAR makes strides in the right direction, they make even more strides in the wrong direction. And I just, I don't, I don't understand the thought process. I don't know. See, and again, let, they've been taught for years now. NASCAR keeps promising Oh, we're going to blow up the schedule, make it so totally different. There's going to be big changes next year. And then they come out with this. like Which is the same copy-paste, except for you made the first round of the playoffs worse. Right. All they did was they added Iowa, they moved a few races around, they put Indy back on the oval, they put Bristol back on the pavement, and they added Atlanta and Watkins Glen to the playoffs. That's not blowing up the schedule. I'm happy about Iowa, but I feel like this Iowa thing should have happened like five or six years ago. Yeah, no, it should have. It absolutely should have. I just... All you needed was IndyCar to get Hy-V to be interested in motorsports again, and now everybody wants to go to Iowa. Like, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the doubleheader invite. Right? I just, I don't know. There's so many, so many things I disagree with on this schedule. Like there, there's a there's a couple good things about it, but I just feel like NASCAR keeps putting out misses with this playoff. And where's Montreal? Like there was all yeah. this talk that NASCAR told everybody in the industry, make sure your passports are up to date for next year. We're going international, and then it's it comes out that it's either going to be Montreal or Mexico City. Where's Montreal and Mexico City? What happened to that? I good luck telling me what happened there. Right. Like they keep making these promises 
on big things to happen with this schedule, and they never fulfill those promises. Well, what I think is weird is Montreal still hasn't made it to the Cup Series, which I think should have happened a really, 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 really long time ago when NASCAR was actually really popular and we had the Xfinity Series there. You know what I also find weird? One, the Chicago Street Race actually is back next year. Mm -hmm. Two, with as successful as the Chicago Street Race was, why is there not a second street race? It's a good point. I don't know. I, I, I know I changed my tune really hard on the Chicago street course. <laughs> I still won't go this year because ticket prices are absolutely ridiculous. But no, I, I, I agree. It was a pretty good success, and I'm glad that it's back for next year. But I feel like they could do something else. What I don't want to see happen is nascar to look at f1 and be like oh dude we should totally do this las vegas street course because that's stupid unless unless it gets rid of one of the las vegas oval tracks and then i'm okay with it well see so here's the funny thing is i noticed a couple times during the roval race that steve latart made the comment that what were, what were his he said something to the effect of he was talking about the races without stage cautions and he was talking he was like well they just turn into these f1 style races so we got to have these cautions to to make the race more exciting so everything doesn't get strung out and everybody's not 20 seconds apart and i'm like okay so the one yeah. time you probably should be like f1 you're not but yeah so in 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 that case I don't think they're trying to be like F1. No, but I, I would totally support a Las Vegas street course race if we got rid of the Las Vegas Oval at least once. Yeah. I hate um, the Vegas Oval. It's so stupid. It's like taking a mile and a half track and somehow making it worse. Yeah, I don't get it because it's it's like the same layout basically as Kansas and Chicagoland, which are both really good tracks. But Vegas has never been good. I wonder if it's it, It's a little bit different, and every way that it's different is worse. Well, see, so here's the weird thing is, I wonder if it's because Vegas didn't start out in its current configuration. Vegas started out mostly flat. Like, I think it was only like nine degrees of banking in the corners or something when it was built. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah, and then they eventually added this banking. So I wonder if it's... Whenever they updated it, whatever, however they updated it, it's not exactly the same as Kansas and Chicago. And whatever they did differently is not right, which wouldn't surprise me because, no, I mean, you look at old Atlanta, old Texas and Charlotte were all by the naked eye looked identical, but they were all different tracks like they all drove very differently. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if Vegas, Kansas, and Chicago, while they look the same to the naked eye, they are very different driving tracks. Yeah. Which which lends itself to Vegas not being a good track. <laughs> I guess to uh, wrap up the cup schedule, Phoenix is still the finale for some ungodly reason known only to the snakes that live in the hills by the track but i still contend that it's just a placeholder until when and if the 
uh, Auto Club short track gets finished. Um, it's been a placeholder place long enough. It's been a placeholder more than long enough. At this is, point, I would rather go back to Miami. I never had a problem with Miami. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, but that's a, you're very limited on where is warm enough in November to go to. So well, even Martinsville being November 3rd is a bit of a stretch. It is. Yeah, that, that does seem very late for... They, they made some interesting weather choices for some of these races this year. Why can't we just do like the season finale at Darlington or something? Right. A track that actually matters. Right. But I don't know. But uh, we won't enforce we track need... limits at Phoenix either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I think we need to move on to predictions because I think you're going to be late for work if we don't. Um, so on to predictions. Um, I believe we have arca west this weekend where is arca west this weekend not that we're making a prediction for it but um arca west will be at the bull ring at vegas okay so three races at vegas uh, awesome one, one of them's on the bull ring the other two are on the big track um but again no entry list yet so we're not going to make predictions for that um Xfinity will be Saturday, 3.30 p.m. Eastern on USA. Tyler, who you got for Xfinity? I'm going to go with Josh Berry, just for the meme factor. If he just missed the next round of the playoffs, and I just think it'd be hilarious if he won. Also, if he wins this weekend, this would be his third win at Vegas. So, I like his odds. Yeah, not a bad choice. Which would be funny if he did win this race, which would have meant if he made it, he'd been in the championship four. Um I do agree with that. Um, but I'm going to go with John Hunter Nemechek. He's been lights out on mile and a half this year. So I think he goes out, wins this race, and punches his ticket to Phoenix. On to the Cup Series, which will be Sunday, 2.30 p.m. Eastern on Big NBC from Vegas. Tyler, who you got? You hate me for this, but I'm going to William Byron. He had an average finish of 1.67 in the round of 12. First, second, second. He is lights out to end the season, and I think he's going to lock it in himself in. Phrase. I am stealing your phrase. But I think he's going to lock himself into the round of four in the first race of the round of eight. Okay, fair enough. I'm going to go with Chris Busher. He's had uh, a good string of races this year on the bigger tracks, so I think he goes out and maybe is a surprise to lock himself into the championship four. Chris Busher wins this race and makes it in the championship four. And we forgot to make championship four predictions for the cup series as well. So we'll do that real quick before we sign off here. Byron Truex, Hamlin, Larson, Busher, Bell, Reddick, and Blaney make it into the round of eight. Tyler, who is your championship four? I see no change in the current top four unless somebody in five through eight wins a race. Okay, fair enough. Um, I agree, except I think Busher, because I think Busher wins this race, um, I think Busher replaces Truex. I think Truex's luck runs out. He has barely made it through both rounds so far. Um, I just, I think his luck runs out. Although, I, it would be funny if he barely made it into the championship four and then won the championship. <laughs> it's It's wild how... He only made it into this round by a few points. Everything resets, and he goes back to second, five points off the lead. 
stage points are wild. Yeah. But yet Ryan Blaney won a race and he is eighth minus 27. I think that's going to about do it for us this week. Um, as always, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week to recap Vegas and look ahead to Homestead and more. So um, at that, I'm Garth. That's Tyler. This is the Rookie Strikes Podcast on Racing News Now.